Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. We have a lot of great stuff to talk about. A cool topic Tuesday is coming. We've got a really good car debate. We've got updates on our cars of the past, mm. which includes something I've never seen happen that happened this weekend. Oh. I, I sent out an Instagram post oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Someone was cleaning Paul's car, and Paul was watching, and Paul was not doing the cleaning. And then other people, including me, the idiot in the room, were cleaning Paul's car instead of Paul. That was that was new. That was a little scary because I, I only did it because it was Griot's products. Mm-hmm. We had our West Coast rep, Jamie Elegant, who stopped by, car dealer supply, and we had a, a bit of a gathering. We had a good group yeah, of cars cool. come down and showed us the G9 and the G8 Orbitals and mm-hmm. all the Griot's products. It was pretty cool. And I learned, I uh, genuinely it. learned a ton Oh, I'm, go- I'm glad. I, I genuinely was like, there's a whole world of this that I don't know the first thing about. Yeah, it was great. It, it just involves having the right products, yeah. enjoying it and doing it yourself. But yeah, I, I was a little bit skeptical about it. other people working on my car. <laughs> but Jamie did a great job. And thanks to everybody who came down. The 928 had some scratches on the front fenders mm-hmm. because the mechanic who ended up fixing my timing... Mm-hmm. And finding my vacuum leak, yes. leaned over the front fender on both sides and scratched a lot with his belt buckle. You have to understand what the, what the hood. You look at a picture of a 928. Where we're talking about this because the hood is a narrow rectangle in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, most cars now, you know, the hood goes all the way out to the edges. Yeah, it's a narrow rectangle in the middle. Right behind the lights is this huge, probably a foot wide piece of yeah. sheet metal behind yeah. the light that's just fender. That when you open the engine cover, it doesn't move. You lean over that with anything, you could scratch it. It was pretty frustrating, and I'm trying yeah. not to be too precious about the Understandable, car yeah. because I want a driver, and I want to just use the car. I don't yeah, want to ever yeah. be like, well, it's too nice now. I've done mm-hmm. too much to it. <laughs> Can't drive it. You know, I never want to be that with the car. Yeah. I, I just want you and I to enjoy it on our upcoming series and mm-hmm. just enjoy the cars. And so I thought, do I get bent out of shape about this? Mm. Let's see what Griots can do. They took... 98% of yeah. the scratches out. There's a few deep ones left, but it's also almost 40-year-old paint. Yeah. So who cares? And it looked great. <laughs> it did look good. Even even the part that I worked on looked okay when we were done. I was quite <laughs> impressed, actually. Great. Yeah. Well, so now I am fighting a fuel flow issue with the 928, and it has kind of reared its ugly head. But on the other hand, even though I did a full engine rebuild on this car. Yes, you did. I hadn't dealt with the fuel yet, mm-hmm. and so I drained the tank on Saturday. <laughs> what did you do on Saturday? Oh, I drained I my fuel tank. Drained yeah. the fuel tank, spilled a bit of fuel on the floor, but nevertheless, got the fuel out of the car, and the strainer is bad, and then the filter looked like a charcoal canister. I poured almost <laughs> black fuel out of it. Wow. Hadn't been changed in a long time, so I'm doing the fuel filter, the fuel pump, and the new fuel strainer, mm-hmm. which is where the fuel comes out of the bottom of the tank into, your, into the fuel filter, so... Having to do all that, a lot of fun, but I'm hoping that solves my problem because mm-hmm. everything else is new injectors, new everything up front, and I'm hoping that gets it solved. But yeah, right now it's just up on its quick jacks, and I can't go anywhere right now, but uh, hopefully I can get <laughs> fresh fuel in it and get it solved. You were dialing that thing in like crazy. It actually will be so. featured in an episode that both the cars will be featured in the first episode of season 10, which we are shooting for right now. We have a Toyota GR86 in the driveway to put yes. that with the uh, MX-5 ND2 RF Miata to have a really cool episode of TV for that. We have season nine stuff is on its way to Amazon long laborious story there also on its way to youtube you may have seen the uh, beaver versus horse piece that just came out last week thank you to those of you that watched it much more coming on those but i'm just excited about these older cars and i took yeah. mine to cars and coffee first i'm taking to cars and coffee it's and like flypaper for car enthusiasts it was it was crazy because because here's local park city cars and coffee okay and it's probably the last one of the year because it was already getting pretty cold here right, but right. i took it took the t-tops off took my son so Bodie and i had a great time but i parked it and People there know that I drive a yellow Lotus. That's what I bring to cars and coffee. Right, right. So I had a couple of people that said to me, they were like, well, where's your car? So I pointed over to the zine like, wait, you came in that? So then that started a whole that's other conversation. so great. It's interesting because the Lotus is a conversation starter for sure because people see yeah. it and have questions. Sure, But what's sure. different about the 300ZX that I haven't been uh, kind of prepared for, but I've been wonderfully surprised by, is 300ZX, people don't have questions. They have stories. Right. That's the difference. Yes. People have a personal connection to that car that they don't have with the Lotus. Lotus, they're just curious. Whether or not they owned a Z car, 
it did something to yeah. a car enthusiast. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm That's loving fantastic. it. That's fantastic. It's very cool. So it, I had a lot of fun conversations already. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, yeah, we're looking forward to doing uh, a lot of stuff with those two cars and posting more pictures of them very soon. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with Power Stop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. Power Stop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on direct fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every Power Stop complete brake kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Our topic Tuesday today comes from Daniel J. writing about the future used car shortage mm. or the potential therein. He writes to us after reading about this new vehicle shortage in a magazine, Car and Driver, he says, and it was saying that we have to deal with this for another 12 to 18 months. We won't, won't this have an effect on the used car market mm. in two to three years from now? He's wondering about the ripple effect from yes. now yes. all the way out two to three years mm. from now. He says a 25 to 30%, 35% reduction in new car sales now, he said, should in turn result in a shortage of used cars in two to three years as a lot come off lease or four, in four or five years or people trade in purchased cars. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So what will this do to used car prices? Will it keep them high? And then he says there is a shortage of three to five-year-old used cars. And will people then turn to readily available new cars instead, thus creating a bigger demand for new cars than normal, than what and we're used to? And keeping dealer markups. And oh, that's a horrifying thought. And keeping prices high or artificially high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says it seems like a teeter-totter effect, and this could be going on for years, if not a decade or longer. I like that he just leaves it as a statement, as, <laughs> you know, just roll a grenade into a room full of car enthusiasts. It's totally a grenade rolled in from the door. It absolutely <laughs> I mean, come is. Come on. But the, the thing about this is there's another element going on, too, that I'm going to say it again because I don't think it's been shaken out properly yet, and that is the lurking specter of all cars will be electric in a decade, <laughs> yeah. which I don't think is possible. Even if the cars are possible, I don't think the infrastructure is going to be a place to handle it yet, even though all the supposed regulation is going to require it. So all of that's going on, too. You have people that are buying things that are, they've been talking to us about. This is my last gas car, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which I find fascinating because I don't think it's really going to happen that quickly. We'll see. Maybe I'm totally wrong here. But that's a specter in people's minds as well. They're thinking about well, but I also got to buy something because my next car is going to be electric or should I get an electric car now? All of this stuff is swirling in people's minds. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I actually wonder if there has been a, a time period in the lifespan of car purchasing that has felt as watershed as this moment has because it already mm -hmm. has felt like, well, what do I do because of the electric car discussion? And now we've added a what do I do because not just the electric supposed deadline, which I think will be quite liquid when we get there. Not only is it that... But also now we have fewer cars available, used car prices going up. Is there a shortage? Where are the chips? That's compounding the whole thing into this kind of double wave. And it's a bit of a free-for-all. And mm. I feel like the combination mm. of the two perceptions is going to keep prices high. The other thing I think is happening, and we've talked about this before, I also feel like people are shopping in the same places and that's keeping prices high. So I'm going to go ahead and say it here right here real quick. Autotempest.com slash everyday. <laughs> the reason to use the everyday part is so that they know that you're part of our audience, which they really appreciate. So that's something that's really cool. We highly recommend because the great thing about that is you can drill down from the normal sites all the way down to your local Craigslist. What I think is interesting going on right now, and we had a lot of these conversations with our $8,000 car comparison that we did. People going, well, none of those cars are reachable. Well, they are if you dig, mm -hmm. because yeah. if yeah. you go to your local dealer, probably not. But if you dig down, the deals are still out there. They're just getting harder to find because we all stop at layer one. I like that. I'm wondering about the follow-up question that I think should have been asked here, Daniel, at the end of your sentence. And that is, therefore, what should we do? Mm -hmm. If this teeter-totter effect is going on for years, if not a decade, as shoppers and buyers, what should you do? If you're hunting for a new car, new to you, whether mm -hmm. it's new or used, yeah, yeah. do you keep the car you have? Do you save money for buying a new car? 
do we continue to encourage our local mechanics and be our, be their cheerleaders so they can keep our cars running <laughs> when back. we need things? I need this again. Yes, this is going to go on. Yeah. Even though, yeah, the, the car prices will continue to trend higher, we're in this sweet spot. Car companies are going to continue to produce cars and want our business and go to ever-increasing efforts to gain our business. Mm. By either taking the hit on some prices to gain the business, to get customers. All right, well, you know, we're not making as large of a margin Mm. on this sales of this car, but we really think this is great and we want customers. So we're going to try to keep the prices low. Of course, it's hard to control what the dealers do. That's a whole separate thing that is a real problem. It really is. Yeah. But nevertheless, car companies want our business. They're, they're going to continue to produce cars. Yeah, and the yeah. reason those cars will be produced is because of ever-changing need in tech. Mm. The SUVs are a huge thing right now, but yeah. what will the next thing be? It seems like SUVs will continue indefinitely because they are so useful. It it's a plague. <laughs> but <laughs> the what? ship has sailed and it's only full <laughs> yeah, of SUVs. That's what's happened. Around the world a couple yep. of times. But nevertheless, what will consumer taste be? What will mm-hmm. be driving the trends and car companies will want to capitalize on that because they want our money. They want to stay in business to mm-hmm. continue to employ people. And it's such a huge, passionate thing for many people. Even if you don't like cars and you're not very interested in them, there is a time in your life that happens every few years where you think about needing a car mm-hmm. or the yeah. thought crosses your mind about, ah, we should get a new car yeah, or yeah, yeah. something different. And then what? How mm-hmm. do you start? Where do you start? So I think that, yes, Daniel, even though there is a shortage of used cars, you also have to change your mindset maybe and look at your own buying habits. Mm. Say, am am I going to be open to new cars in the future? Mm. Am I going to maybe want to invest? It begs the question, and I know you're maybe wanting us to make a prediction. It's always fun when we get emails saying, hey, from podcast (laughs) number whatever. Did you guys know you said this? Yeah. Whether we're really right or really wrong, Uh usually it's closer to the wrong part. But are are you going to be interested in new cars? And because you're interested in new cars, will the depreciation on new cars be less because Mm. of the used car shortage? Hard to make that prediction. It's hard to sit here and say, yeah, in the future, don't worry about buying a new car. You won't take as big of a depreciation hit. But... Buying a new car keeps car companies in business. Well, and it tells car companies what we want. This is the thing we've talked about a lot. If if we don't, we, and I mean all of you listening, if you say, I really like rear-wheel drive manual transmission sports cars, mm-hmm. but none of us buy new ones, guess what they'll stop making? Mm-hmm. This is why yeah. everything's an SUV, some, many of them with a CVT, because they're like, well, I just need an SUV. I need to sit high. How many cup holders does it have? I don't care what the transmission is. This is what we wind up with. We've brought it on ourselves. <laughs> sure. We really have. Well, Daniel, also, as we're discussing new cars and we continue to build our test drive YouTube channel and drive the new cars from manufacturers, mm-hmm. those cars in turn become used cars fairly sure. quickly. Yeah. A model will stick around or there will be some updates or, you know, we'll get the new one, new version of whatever that is. But that just means the car shopping now translates what, you know, a few years ago was the new car. Now, hey, look, Mm -hmm. these things still matter. You're still shopping for those kinds of things. So that's our intention of building that channel to help used car buyers in the future. Yeah, for sure. But what if those used cars just aren't available? It seems like everywhere, you know, any, anybody we talk to these days, just like, wow, kind of makes more sense to buy new. What if that continues? Are you open to that? Mm, interesting. Are you interested? Does that yeah. resonate with you? On one level, I think it should because of, like I said, all the new technology and mm-hmm. safety features and that kind of thing going into cars. As far as a price standpoint, it's going to be tough to say car prices are going down from here on out. It depends on the model. But when a car company works hard to keep a, a particular price level mm-hmm. for a particular car... So, you know, we're coming in at the under 40 or coming in at under 25 or under 35. That's a big deal. A lot of thought and careful planning has got into that process. Yeah, yeah. And that's why price and driving impressions are always usually embargoed from car companies. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to know until the car is fully released that they worked hard and maybe took the, took it on the chin mm-hmm. to be able to get your business and it's still a better car. You know, usually the the newer car is better, but not always. And, and the, we say used cars. We built the show predicated upon buying used cars. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Use, do the best you can with the budget that you have, and that might be new, and it also might be used. The interesting thing going on here as well is the fact that I think new cars are going to recover before used cars do. 
because mm-hmm. of chip supply. Yes. yes. And so this will be a ripple through time. That is the great thing about this question in the first place, Daniel, is the fact that this this hit that it's taken, the whole supply chain has taken, is going to ripple through cars, and you're going to see that bump happen mm-hmm. as it mm-hmm. works its way out over the next few years. I The other thing you have to keep in mind is um, in the history – of certainly our lifetime, but I would say cars in general. Cars have never gotten cheaper. New cars. Mm-hmm. What changes mm-hmm. is the value of used cars, and they fluctuate. They're they're more expensive for a time, and then they ebb and flow, and it depends on all kinds of things. The interest rates of what you can get them for, because those are always different than than new cars. You can never get a zero percent financing on a used car. It's not happening. Of course. So what is happening to, to, to interest rates? What's happening to the economy at large? All kinds of things that we are not equipped to speak on, but. There will be that ripple through used cars, but I also think that people are looking around at their cars. I'm sorry to come back to this point because they're thinking about, we're all going to be electric. And I'm talking (laughs) about those of us, all of you listening are obviously car people, but I'm talking about the people you know that aren't car people. I bet you all of them are pondering an electric car, which I'm is sure interesting. The thoughts cross their mind. Sure. So that sure. Uh, that watershed moment is fascinating. So it's going to change in general. The, the numbers of people thinking cars, I think, are also going up. Whether you're thinking you like them or not, just what, what should I do next? And then we have this ripple effect that's going to change supply and demand. I still stand by what I've said before. I think the used cars are going to recover, meaning trend down a bit. The new cars will not. The new cars will keep going up. They only, only go up. The average car transaction price right now is like forty grand for a new car, it's which isn't surprising. It's gone up incrementally yeah. or dramatically, yeah. depending on the manufacturer. Let's just my, my big hope is this. My big hope is that the average used car recovers a bit and comes down some because it's spiked ridiculously in the last like six, eight months. I don't think that's going to maintain. I think by this time next year, that will have recovered some. I think the thing that Daniel's identified, that bump in supply will hit again, but I think that'll be later. But the new cars are going to stay where they are or trend a little higher, and then the specialty cars are probably only going to go up from here. Yeah, they are. And here's how to look at that, Daniel. Cars are an inevitability in our lives. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) For car enthusiasts, it's something we're always using in our lives, but always wanting to use. Yes, we, we have the, we're the weirdos that actually want to use them versus need to. <laughs> right. But short of your house mm-hmm. where you live, the car is up there with the most used object in your life. And most expensive. Yeah. And so therefore, people are always thinking about that. You're mm-hmm. always wanting the next, the better. And it's tough to be able to say, well, I'm just cool with used cars and maybe I'll just... Re- Go backwards, even though we have kind of gone backwards with our two. <laughs> We've but jumped backwards, it, yes. It's hard to say that, you know, I don't want any of the new tech. I don't want any new features or styling or performance or, you know, any of that. Well, no, that's all very appealing and tempting. Mm-hmm. But that costs money. Mm-hmm. And so we're increasingly able to justify that in our expenditures. Mm-hmm. The answer is really start saving towards that future need. The good news is you said, what will this do to used car prices? Well, if all the used car prices continue to trend upwards or the availability is scarce, well, you have a used car. <laughs> that is the thing. If it's only good for you, too. Any of you listening, and, and, and obviously we talk, used, uh, we talk cars for the job all the time. If any of you listening, for any reason, happen to have a car that you've thought, should I sell that? The answer is immediately. Okay? <laughs> right, right. It will never be worth more than whatever you have right now. The thing sitting in your garage that doesn't run, I guarantee you, is worth more than it was a year ago. I don't even care what it is. So if you have something that you could sell, Definitely sell. It's harder when you're thinking about, I only have one car. Mm -hmm. Should I make a move? Then it's scary. Financially speaking, though, the types of cars that come out of your budget, your daily budget, your monthly budget, are the SUV, the family car, the things that do it all, the people movers, kid haulers, whatever that is, and the fun, inexpensive sports cars that, well, I can justify that, a little bit more money, $8,000, $10,000, which is why we've covered those cheap sports cars and their Mm -hmm. availability. And you've got the interest in how can I have that fun feeling but still go very cheap. But the cars at the high end... There are exceptions to every rule and exceptions to every rule of thumb. (laughs) The cars purchased at the very high end are purchased with investment dollars. They're not bought with your daily or monthly budgets. Fair. It's it's play money. They're bought with investment dollars or stock market money or you cash something out. Mm. That's where those cars come from. And the people that buy at that level 
care less about the price of the car at that high level. I'm making a blanket broad statement here, but for the most part, the exotics that you see short of being driven by a YouTuber (laughs) were bought with investment dollars, not monthly budget kinds of dollars. Mm. Yeah. I can throw down 160, 200 grand for that hot, whatever you didn't really feel it because it didn't come out of your monthly budget. Interesting. That's where those cars will stay high. And the people who buy them won't really care. 180, 200. You're buying at that level. I cashed out a life insurance policy. I had some stock that mm. vested, you know, options or, you know, hit a new all-time high and I decided to cash out, had some leftover dollars. That's where that that kind of money is spent. Mm. You think how do people afford that? It's from all those investments. That's where those cars are bought. So like I said, if you had 150, 200 grand to spend at that level or more, you don't really feel it. You don't really care because it's not coming out of your, here's where we're going out to eat. The mortgage or the rent is being paid, you know, clothes, feeding, caring for your kids. That is almost separated out. We love those cars. We want to drive them. I want to own them. I aspire to driving them and enjoying them all. Mm-hmm. But that's why we focus on these cheap, inexpensive sports cars and well, trying to make it added a second car, a third car. Yeah, where it's a stretch and it's a big debate that's about how to do it. It gets hard because you're tapping Absolutely. into the monthly cash flow. This reminds me. This reminds me when Bugatti started selling the Veyron and the Chiron. Mm-hmm. Somebody at the company made the comment where they said, "I just looked it up." They said that the average, <clears throat> the average Bugatti owner. <laughs> right has 84 cars and three jets the, at this point you're buying a car like i buy a shirt yeah i walk yeah. into a into some place i'm not really yeah. shopping for a shirt but i walk into a place and i go that's a nice that's a you know that's a cool shirt i like that you know what in my case it's a t-shirt with a car on it and, and i go you know what i really like that i think i'd like to have that shirt yeah that it, 84 it cars and three jets you're buying Supercar, exactly. Average. You're buying supercars like that. Do you know how expensive it is to own and run a jet? <laughs> you think cars are just a jet is staggering. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. That that won't change. And that, but that's the other thing about it is that the margin on that is so high, mm-hmm. which is the reason Lamborghini just did it with the. And you cannot see my enormous arm-moving air quotes. <laughs> they made a new Countach. Can you feel yeah. the air quotes? You should be able to feel them. But that is all margin. Mm-hmm. It's an Aventador with a body kit, and it's got a it's got wicked multiple commas in the price tag, and they're all already sold because I can say I got a Countach because I already have 84 cars and three jets. And you know what? I just sold that huge mall to somebody else. <laughs> sure. So I'll just, you know what? I'll get a Countach. And that that's never going to be connected to reality. But those of us that are... are scrounging the budget to figure if you can get a new fun car, that's where we're all living for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, it's something to aspire to. Is it the smartest thing to do with your money? If you cash out some stock, you sell an investment, you sell a life insurance policy, something happens in your life and it's a financial windfall. Is it the smart move? No, no, (laughs) but explicitly no, but man, that's part of why we love cars. It's the aspiration. I, Wow, I could afford a forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar car. Holy cow! Yeah, that I could afford a hundred, a hundred and fifty, two hundred. Whew! What do I get? Mm-hmm. How do I enjoy this money properly? But then at that level, even still, the price, the depreciation of those cars, isn't plummeting. Mm. So is it aspirational? Is it something worthy to say? Sure, if I could, at some point in my life, maybe so. So. Let's think about it at a lower level. If you could start saving now, if there's, you know, some money you could have set aside for some investment Mm. and wait for this, you know, you said the three to five years or the two to three years, and maybe your investment grows a little bit where you've got a little bit more to consider Mm. when that new car purchase comes around and that depreciation won't feel as much of a hit. I'm not giving financial advice. I am not a trader. I'm not a broker. This is explicitly not financial advice. (laughs) Do not make any purchases based on what I'm telling you. However, I've always thought the car budget, how, how can you make some investment and put some money away and make it grow yeah. so I can afford more than I have now? That's the whole, th- what we're doing because car prices are not going down and I guess we're all going to have to be okay with that, right? I suppose. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. 
I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. I don't think we've done this before, but we're going to go to United Arab Emirates. I mean, you and I aren't actually going to go. <laughs> but in the case of this car debate for Nick, he's saying he and his family are about to move there. It sounds like they're moving from Canada. They're taking the entire family. He and his wife and two kids are going to United Arab Emirates, UAE. They'll be living there for 10 months a year, and then they spend two glorious summer months in Canada every year, and that means all cars can change. Wow. Nick, thanks for writing. Nick thinks they'll be living in the UAE for the next five years. Okay. Currently, he owns outright the following cars. 2012 Super Forester Touring with a manual transmission, 90,000 kilometers. Okay. The manual's interesting on that. Yeah, it is. An 06 Ford F-150 FX4 Super Crew with a fiberglass topper. That is a big truck. 260,000 kilometers. Okay. Okay. In the UAE, he'll need two cars, and he's rethinking his entire car scheme. By the way, Nick, when does anybody ever get to do this? Like I keep saying, You're right. That's great. when does everybody mm-hmm. clear out all the furniture out of your house, and you've got eighty dollars to $100,000 budgeted, and you're going to go nuts? <laughs> Nobody gets to do that. Only, only if you're buying a, uh, buying a, your vacation home because you have I your 84 suppose. cars and three jets. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> right. But specifically, Nick doesn't care about four-wheel drive or snow and ice performance. He wants something fun and fast-ish. Because it's the UAE. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if they get a snowstorm, you have other problems. <laughs> There's other issues yeah. to deal with. He's also come to terms in the last year or so that he's a car guy. Welcome. Love it. This is his current plan in Canada to sell the Forester. That'll be easy. Keep the F one fifty. You could like breathe near it. That I might sell this. Who There's won't people want at the your door. Car. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Keep the F one fifty to use in the summers when they're back. Okay. House stuff, fishing, mountain biking, etc. That makes sense. He feels like keeping the Forester sitting for years used only in the summer is a waste of money, and it's better to sell while it's still worth something. We agree. I, I absolutely agree with that. Yep. Especially right now, since as we've talked about, the prices sell are high. Sell the Forester. Yeah. Sell it for what you paid for it. He paid around thirty five hundred dollars US. For the F-150 a few years ago. Gosh, that's nothing. Okay, good job. Yeah, it's great. He said it's pretty sorted, aside some very minor leaks that don't matter. He'll never get the money back he put in recently for brakes and transmission work. Mm-hmm. You, you never will. Yeah. That's why we just you know, leave that as part of the car disease. Mm-hmm. But he knows that the drivetrain is in good shape. He's also had the full inspection done, which confirmed the same. I agree. For that kind of money, and you've put money into it, you know it runs, and it can sit just fine, even if you have somebody move it around and use it occasionally while yeah, you're get gone. get a battery tender or whatever. But, sure. But for the two months a year that you're back in Canada, those are just going to be activity months. And so that truck is perfect for that. I love it. Throw bikes in the back, whatever. It makes total sense. Yeah, he's got a side note here. He may actually need a second car for Canada, and a cheap sports car might fit the bill there, too, or maybe a two-door Jeep. I like that, <laughs> but nevertheless... Get rid of the Forester because, yes. yeah, keep that F-150 for the hauling and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, the two months where you're back. You can always add a very cheap sports car in the future. But for now, we'll leave it there. In the UAE, he needs a seven-seater for kids and guests. Okay. A sports car, which can be a two-seater. The budget is described in the monthly cash flow. I see that. That's interesting. Like you were talking about before, yeah. $400 a month. Up to $600 U.S. for a okay. month for the family car. Mm-hmm. And then for the fun car, buy it outright for about ten dollars to $15,000. Now, his fun car budget will increase over the years while he's there. So he plans to start with a car priced at about ten grand, and then move up from there. He thinks this budget will top <laughs> out at $50,000 U.S. in three to four years. So your plan is to just get the seven-seater, something family-ish, mm-hmm. hauler-ish. Totally, yep. And then rotate in and out of the fun cars while you're in the UAE. Mm-hmm. I like that. Wondering, just a thought offhand, is it worth the shipping cost to not buy a second sports car in Canada? Is it well, worth but the- I think he's talking about for the five years that he's there. So should he double up and get a sports car that hangs out for fun duty? I think that's what he's wondering. And I, I yeah, but he could ship it to Canada for two months while he's in the summer. Yeah, you could, you could. Just, I'm just wondering out loud. Just so you can. Here's here's the only reason I really want you to do that is just to drive around Canada with a UAE license plate on your sports car yeah. for two months. That's, that's that's actually why it's, it's just really just for a YouTube videos while we're talking just about cool. it. Cool. Yeah. For the family car, his wife really likes the Ford Flex. 
Todd's wife really doesn't. <laughs> she does not. <laughs> just avoid, just walk around that. Yeah. The availability apparently is low okay. of those cars anyway. But the criteria is it needs to be able to tow a few thousand pounds, six to seven passengers. The third row seating will just be used occasionally. It needs to be comfortable, reasonably good tech. We don't need the latest. Okay. The fun car is planning on changing cars every eight to 14 months. All righty. There's a plan in place here. Got it. Okay. He also needs to catch up on two decades of not having a fun car. And this plan has been approved. (laughs) That's a big sentence. The Minister of Finance is on board. We're buying cars. I like it. All right. The criteria for the fun car is used. Needs to be manual unless the auto is great. But they strongly prefer a manual. Get it? He's never driven a rear-wheel drive car aside from the Ford F-150. Things that must be solved. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll need some of those on the list. Two-seaters are okay. Also, variety. He's got a list that he has sent to us of... A huge list. Pretty much the Everyday Driver greatest hits list. Mm -hmm. The Miata, the 1 and 2 Series BMWs, the Z cars, Mustangs, WRX, STI, Caymans, Corvettes, the Focus ST, of course, the Toyota E6, and the Avora. I noticed that. Yeah, that's the oddball on there. I like it. But where should he start and where should he end? Hmm. That's the tough part. Let's... Let me talk in seven-seaters real quick. Look, there will be things over there, like I just thought about this. The Nissan Patrol is a random one we don't get here. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure they're over there. And those are almost suburban-sized Nissan products we don't even see. You can get the Nissan Patrol 70th anniversary competition version right now. Look at you. NissanDubai.com. There you go. So you'll have options in the UAE that we don't get here, and I think the local contingent there will know what what do they have, what's easy to work on, and what's going to be reliable. I'm going to speak to a couple of them. The question here is, how much do you need seven seats? Because I know over there, Land Cruisers, they love them. Mm-hmm. They run. Mm-hmm. They're great. And they, they check all the boxes. But Land Cruisers are terrible seven-seaters. Yeah, they're really they're not just, good. There's, yeah. there's not enough space in there, which leads me to something else I know is over there, and that is Suburbans. Mm-hmm. Those exist over there. Parts are available. They're around. They run. They tow anything you want to do. And those are full-on seven-seaters. And I imagine the expeditions are over there too, but I know Suburbans are hanging out over there. You could get yourself a Suburban for the family car and just be like, we're done here. Certainly could. I mean, that's still huge. Yes, but if but if he's shopping for family car duty, I'm, I'm going to get to the sports car. But sure, if he's shopping for family sure. car duty, you get yourself a Suburban, it will tow anything you want it to tow. You've got plenty of family room. You could even go, you could go Yukon or Tahoe, which are obviously smaller, but you've got to get into the really recent ones of those before the back seat, seven seats come down out of the sky and your knees come out of the sky and they become usable. Yeah, but he says third row seating used only occasionally. Yeah. So, I mean... But when, but when you list for me seven-seater for kids and guests, then, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. depend on how you want to use it. You could do... Absolutely, you could do Tahoe for sure. You could get it done Tahoe or Yukon if you get one that's recent enough for the seats to be decent. Otherwise, they're a lot like that Land Cruiser, which is a really cool five-seater, but not that good for seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... The Patrol Safari, I'm looking at it here... <laughs> That's interesting. I, I you found want, the patrol as well. Well, I want you to have it. It's totally eighties and old school. It's it hasn't been updated in mm-hmm. a long time. That the new patrol has, it's uh, it, it is actually like the Land Cruiser, the new patrol. But the patrol safari is <laughs> the cool one. I live in the desert, mm. dunes, you know. But I was actually looking at the Xterra for you on Nissan's website. Oh, here. really? I was okay. thinking Nissan as well. It, it it's a little bit upgraded, and the the Nissan models in the UAE and Dubai are not quite similar to. I mean, they're similar, but they're not exactly the lookalike and, get, and carbon yeah. copies that yeah. we have here in the States and, and North America. So I was looking at that Xterra because it's got that sort of smaller third row, and it's pretty close to that new Nissan Pathfinder. Mm. I, I initially just thought new Nissan Pathfinder, mm. but the one that's currently on sale is not the 2022 model that we're getting now, that mm. new upgraded Nissan Pathfinder. I really liked it. Pretty fuel-efficient engine, tows 3,500 pounds really like it but it's not available yet in the uae so i was looking at the xterra and pretty interesting i think that could that could work maybe go as big as as a suburban but i'm i'm kind of sticking with that uh that xterra right now the fun car though that's the fun because that's the one that has the list i organized the list but keep going oh did you yes i did boy do you have choices Mm -hmm. and i like that you're starting slowly and moving up 
And I also like that you have a plan. And I mm-hmm. like that the plan has been approved. But just because <laughs> you find a car, say you like Miatas, are you going to feel obligated to sell it just to stick to the plan? That's a great point. And I agree with that. Look, you don't have to. You might chuck out the plan. You might have one car for two and a half years, another car for two and a half years, call it an experience. Sure. And then come back to Canada and get something crazy. Sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering. I don't know what the driving roads are like in UAE. You might, a, straight through the desert. You That's might where most think, of it goes. Well, here's what I'm thinking. You might think it's more like the Midwest and therefore more Dodge Charger, Dodge Challenger, you know, the bigger, heavier, more muscle kind of car sort of feel. I don't think those are available there. But you know what I mean? It's, it's less of the mountainous, twisty roads. My question for you is, if you have something like a Miata, are you going to feel like you won't be using it to its potential? Even though I want you to start in something small and lightweight I also don't want you to just have this giant empty stretch of hot desert road before you Mm. that you can't use it properly, that you might have a used version of that in Canada to do road trips Mm. through mountainous regions. Whereas your fun car equivalents or your fun car choices in the UAE are a different headspace because the roads are different. The terrain is different. I think there's some. There's a few. Yeah. But. I, I, I'm asking. Only you can answer that. Now. Yeah, and and it might require getting there and kind of investigating to understand what will play to the roads best. I mean, I've I've got a list in front of me that that is some of the best roads in the area, but but some of them are mountain roads, and some of them are this road's beautiful because it just goes through sand dunes. Sure, sure. So you're going to have all of the above. I mean, maybe it's a better mix than I'm thinking. I, I I don't I can't say with any certainty either, but that's something that he'll certainly have to discover, Nick. I, I want to go through your list. I I sorted them by by groups. And the first group is things I should think should be completely off the list. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. And then I gave the stuff that's left an order, an approximate order. It's not hard and fast by any means. But you've got a few on the list that I think the company need to come off. First off, you've got a Focus ST on there. I like the Focus ST. It's a perfectly good hot hatch. I get the sense that that's on there because you're a Ford guy. And I think if you're looking for a great hot hatch, that's the wrong one. If, you, if okay. what you want to experience okay. is hot hatch, get a Fiesta ST. You can probably get the one over there that we don't get here, the third gen that's awesome, the new, the current gen mm-hmm. that we don't mm-hmm. get that Tom will not stop raving about just because he knows yeah. it enrages me. Yeah, so there's that one. Get the Fiesta ST. Get a Honda Civic Type R. Get a Veloster N because those are three right now sold definitive hot hatches that are crazy fun. They're, they're, they're the ones that are surprisingly fun every time you're in them. Yeah. If right. you want to go hot right. hatch, that's your list. I don't think that's your list, though. The WRX STI, interesting. Get it in Canada. Just, <laughs> right. I mean, right? Hello, just get it in Canada. Sure. At some point later down the line, get a used one of those for Canada. Okay? So that that's worthwhile. The BMW 1 Series is off the list unless you find yourself a 135iS, which is the almost 1M, or a 1M. Agreed to that. But I still think those are not sports car focused enough. They're excellent, and we love them. But I think you have an opportunity here to get something that is two-seat and focused, so why not embrace that? I feel similarly about the BMW 2 Series. It's off the list unless you get yourself an M240 or ideally an M2. Mm-hmm. But again, this is a revised and excellent driving sedan style, even though I know it's two doors. But that's sure. essentially what we're doing sure. here. So I went to the more focused stuff. So I put it in an approximate order. If you really want to try, what is a rear-wheel drive sports car about? I know we're all saying it together. Miata is the answer. Go get yourself a Miata. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Are, to your point, Paul, are there roads that make a Miata worthwhile? Is there local autocross you can go do and just be like, Miatas are fun? This The, the reason I want you to have a Miata early on, and I'm going to caveat in a minute, is because this will recalibrate you as a person that's been driving an F-150 and a Forester. The Miata boils it down to this is what's necessary for fun driving. Mm. It just recalibrates Mm. you to, oh, you can go this small, this simple, this light. Now I get it. Because then you can build on top of that life experience. If for some reason the Miata is not right, then this is why you get the 86. I think it's a one or the other category there. Because do. both of those cars, I think so, because both of those cars boil it down enough to be like, okay, this is how simple sports cars can be. Now you can build from here. And maybe you have that car six months, but I think there's no reason to go Miata then 86. I feel like they overlap too okay. much. Okay. So Fair pick enough. the one that works best for you or you find the best deal on or you think you'll get the most use out of. Obviously, the 86 has got back seats and a trunk. Mm-hmm. The Miata, mm-hmm. obviously, when it's not boiling hot, you can take the top off. Right. So right. which one do you prefer of those? Now you're into something like a Z car. Mm. I think a 370 or a 350 would be really cool. If you have enough to get into the new Z, which is roughly 40 grand, now you have to debate the Supra. 
but I'm assuming we're shopping yeah. used. So I, I would say 370 over 350. The 350 is really fun, but those cars are getting old now. And I think you'd prefer the refinement that exists in the 370. So that's worthwhile. You have a soft spot for the Mustang, Nick. You're I saw a Ford that. Guy. I saw you really that. want to have a current latest gen Mustang GT or a GT350. First question I have is how available are those over there? That feels like a car that would, would be rare and probably would be marked up as a result. Which makes me wonder, should that be a car like the WRX STI that waits until you're back in Canada? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just wondering. Therefore, just difficult to live with and take care of. I'm just wondering if and... it makes sense over yeah. there. If it just yeah. makes sense to get one while you're here. If you're going to get a Mustang over there, then the car after that to get is that's when you get yourself a Corvette. A C6 or a C7 Grand Sport. But again, in the same category, how likely is it you can find one? We were in Germany on one of our very first trips and uh, wasn't it a uh, it was a Callaway C6 Corvette went by? Yeah. Do you know how rare those cars are? Those are rarer than most like hyper cars. <laughs> and it went by on the Autobahn yeah. in Germany, and we we nearly had a wreck. We were all staring at it like, "What is that That's doing right. here? A car I've never that. even seen in the U.S." And here it went by on the Autobahn. Like, what is going on? So, can you even get a Corvette over there? How easy is that? Yes, the Cayman is a worthwhile choice. Working my way up through your list, the Cayman is a worthwhile choice. I'm going to put two caveats on it. Must be manual, must be flat six. If you've never driven a Porsche product, as much as the the 718 with the four-cylinder is a solid, excellent car, if you're going to get yourself a Cayman, get a flat six motor in that thing. Listen to it whine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then you have the Evora. The Evora is, the Cayman Evora are the same place as the Miata 86. When you get up to that place and you're buying, which one's more you? And I think once you get up here, you're going to know. I think the Evora needs to be owned. If you want to own one, it needs to be on either side of your Cayman experience, either mm. right before or right after you have a Cayman so you can compare and contrast. I also think ideally you would have enough chance to test drive both of them, be able to pick which one you prefer, kind of like the Miata 86, but I think you graduate up there. That's my, that's my running through your list real quick. Hopefully some of it's helpful. Nick, there's a website that I want you to visit if you haven't oh, already good. discovered. This is Paul's version of the internet, so I might not be able to find it, but he will get you there. <laughs> no. It's called AlainClass.com, Alain Class Motors. You may have seen it in your supercar search because we've all run into it at some point with all the exotics. But as it turns out, they have some pretty high-end stuff, but they also have some normal stuff. Mm. And my list is similar to Todd's. I think you should, Miata, maybe. I think the, the land, the landscape is too vast for a Miata. I think you'll le- be left wanting an 86 maybe as your starting place. Mm-hmm. My starting place for you is Super or M2. Somewhere in there. Okay. And really, there was a TV episode that we shot that was Cayman, Super, and BMW M2 competition yep. comparison. Yep. We all sliced the onion very thinly. It was so close. We all liked aspects yeah. of everything. Good news. All three of those cars are fun. They're, they're so, all good. Huge, huge spoiler alert. Real big news flash here on Everyday Driver. Uh, yeah, those well, cars I, are fun. I got to look at that as the recipe, a bit of a foundation. Mm, mm. Not necessarily the starting place, but definitely a place you need to experience. One of those three that that attract you. This Alain Class Motors has a GR Supra for sale. Mm. I think a Cayman would be good, but this is the time where I'm going to recommend a 911. Interesting. For you okay. And the Brood. Okay. Because yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they've got the speed, the power for those high speed roads. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, you, there's the history. There's handling. more space. I get it. I get it's where just are. it's just the bigger version, kind of built for the for the land. Okay. All right. I want a 911 for you. Ultimately, though, I want an AMG GT for you. Mm, Mercedes AMG. That's GT. a good choice. Yeah. As it turns out, Alain Class Motors has all of these. They even have a 1,300 horsepower Nissan Patrol. Just saying. Just, <laughs> just you need that while you're there. <laughs> no G-Wagons, by the way. Who no are G-wagons. you running from, by the way, if you need a 13? Anyway, that's a side exactly. note. Exactly. I don't know. But you, you just want to be able to say you've got a 1,300 horsepower. Of course you do. Nissan Patrol. Absolutely you do. Now, they've got Land Rover Defenders. I haven't driven one yet, but one of the new ones. Maybe, maybe. But I like the Nissans better for you, so you can just kind of bomb around the desert in it and just... Have fun enjoying, you know, you don't have to worry about it too much, but yeah. Oh, there's a, what on it? We found a I 1M. I just saw a 1M. I'm on this site with you. I just saw a 1M on there. They have everything. You're right. They have such a, mostly high end, but such a good variety. And even it's, you know, sort of the low end for us mortals. They have a Veyron and a Chiron, you know, for later. <laughs> good thing. Yeah. But still, look at this. They, they've got, they might be able to find you some things too. 
and they're in Dubai. I'm just I'm saying. looking. Sorry, sorry. In the same scroll right now, you can't see it, and I'm sorry <laughs> to all of you. I have a Veyron, a Chiron, a Chevy Express van, and a Viper. <laughs> this this is the breadth of, of variety stuff going on here. I love it. It's great. That's just that's the dream place. That's the you know kind mm-hmm. of the, yeah. the place where I want you to end up. But I do want you to experience a 911, especially in the desert at high speeds at low speeds it's got the two back seats mm-hmm. you can take your young kids okay. all four of you can have this fun sports car experience uh, theoretically that's your point this yeah. is time for a 911 hey guys it's summertime again and when the weather gets hot it's time for custom sunscreens and dash covers from our friends at covercraft uvs 100 custom sunscreens are made to exactly fit inside your windshield for maximum protection from the sun they're durable and sturdy for years of dependable use There's a wide variety of colors and styles available, including Original, Premier Series, and Carhartt. They also have Dash Mat Custom Dash Covers. They're custom-fitted to your dash for complete protection from the sun. These reduce road glare when driving and complement your interior with a large selection of colors and styles, including the Original Carpet Dash Mat, the Suede Mat, the Velour Mat, and the extremely popular Limited Edition. Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose... Remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com specifically for our audience. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Paul has now got me lost on this website in the UAE. <laughs> it's good stuff, I, isn't it? It's the Dubai car dealer I will never, ever see. I realize UAE and Dubai are different places. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> they're close enough. <laughs> they're close enough. Apparently, I need to go to Dubai just to go to this car dealer because I'm completely lost on his part of the internet. That is fascinating. <laughs> we were on something the other night, and he was, like, he was like, I can't find it. I was like, it's right here. We were having a big argument about <laughs> like, being on different internets. I don't know how that exactly. works, even when we're sitting in the same room. Okay, <laughs> audience questions from you guys. Thank you so much, as always, for all of your great audience questions and uh, I'm going to start right here with a track daily crush from Kirk on Facebook I saw this it's the all British cars edition Noble M600 TVR Tuscan <laughs> and the Lotus Esprit V8 Turbo do you like Tuscans? track daily crush here's the cr- the trick this is actually easy because I really like TVRs but only certain TVRs yeah, and the Tuscan's say. not even on the list yeah, so the Tuscan is like an them. easy crush it's just like that one's crushed so now the debate is track or daily <laughs> okay. the Noble is the track car and the Lotus Esprit is a daily I would love Sheesh. that would be an awesome daily that's one of those cars I also feel like like 300 I was talking about at the top of the podcast it's one of those cars that the Esprit is just a car people are like I remember this from, it's one of those cars. It's yeah, really cool. And the sure. Noble six, M600 is a, yeah, that's a rocket ship I would like to, to wrestle as it tries to kill me. <laughs> Wade Donald Waterstreet says, Paul, when you're evaluating the design of a car, where does my eye usually land first? Mm. The hood, the fenders, the front fascia. S- starting off, to be honest, is proportion. I want to understand the proportion of windows to body height, the overhangs. If it's an SUV, you know, how, how large is that back end? What, what is the SUV? What is the car telling me it is? Where, mm-hmm. where is its place in the market? The Mustang Mach-E, you know, what is that? Where, where is its place? You know, sports cars, whatever they, is, they are. So it's always proportion first. Then my eye lands on the front, which is the, the front clip, the, the eyes, the headlights, the grill, mm-hmm. the front fascia. That defines the car. That's what designers draw all the time. They start with the front of the car. That defines the look of the car. And then, of course, the shoulder line. That's usually the strong character line or character mm. themes mm. along the shoulder line of the car. It's also called the belt line of the car, which is runs right underneath the windows. The windows are called DLO, daylight opening, designer <laughs> speak. Yep. So under the DLO, so you have that strong shoulder, a strong character line on the body side that defines a car, Ferrari 812. Mm. Wow, that you know that front fender really defines the car, and then all those other features—the rear, you know what the back of the car does, the rockers, the fascia, the aprons, the, the diffuser on the back—those yeah, should yeah. all be supporting elements to the rest of those themes. So my eye wanders around, but it takes a while. And to be honest, it sounds so cliched. You know, thank you, Captain Obvious. Photos don't do a car justice, and it's always because of the relationship between you and the object, mm. your your spatial mm-hmm. distance, and how. Okay, I'm I'm three feet away from that part of the car. How do I feel about that? The height of it. The what is what is the surface doing for my eye? And it has a presence in person. For sure, any object has a presence in person that you just can't capture in photographs. For sure, that's interesting. 
Adrock Fox asks, uh, is there a budget, high or low, where the best option for dad duty and daily plus fun car is actually a single car? He said, for example, is the Civic Type R or Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio, those are both so good, is that better than spending a little bit less and also getting a crazy fun car? He's trying to understand if there's, is there a metric here where they all converge? Honestly, the answer here is not even budget-related. I think it's usage-related. What we don't want, and we've talked about this before, we don't want you to have a car you're paying for that you don't drive. Mm. We also don't want mm. you to have a car you're paying for you drive and you hate. Yeah. These yeah. are the bookends of our show, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's it right there. Don't, don't have something that sits there. Don't have something you hate sitting there. So those are the things. So I would say to you, do you have a lifestyle as a dad who has to do daily stuff with your car? Do you have a lifestyle where you could have something fun on the side and it would get first driven and second enjoyed? If you'd like, well, you know what? I can, I can afford to have that Boxster that I spent 10 grand on, but I haven't driven it in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. It doesn't work for your life. Yeah. But if you can say... Lemon's car. That, seriously. <laughs> Race car. That's happened for sure. <laughs> so, so, but if you can say, you know what? I really would, I would take my wife out every weekend, and then I'd take one of the kids out. We'd go get ice cream, and then you know what? I'm going to go on Sunday mornings. I'm gonna do, I used to do that in LA. I'm going to go do that drive. And, and you'd like to have a car that is good for that, then buy a tool for that job mm-hmm. and buy a mm-hmm. tool for your daily if what you're going to be is the dad dropping the kids off, picking up some groceries later, you got to get to the office, you got to get back from the office, you have a client meeting you got to do, oh, I may have to take a couple of people, then shop for just that car. And then you're right, the Civic Type R, the Quadrifolio, you would love doing all of those tasks. And then when there's an open on-ramp on the freeway, or I get to do this cloverleaf by myself, or <laughs> I need to find that hole in traffic, or you find yourself on a back row, those cars are still fun. I think it is much more about usage <clears throat> Then it is about budget. So you're going to have to figure out, would I drive a second car? I, this is the most ridiculous sentence, but I have, quote unquote, struggled with it for the past few months. <laughs> I have concluded that four cars is too many. <laughs> I've, I've, oh, my, my, my wife and I, four? Until, my, until my son starts driving, because that's the thing. When four? I had, my, my wife has the Cayenne, I have the Lotus, I had the Z4. And then I added the 300ZX. Now, yeah, part yeah. of the issue is the fact that three of those cars do overlap a lot. There is that as well. Sure, sure. But I really... I, and then the constant press cars coming and going. Totally. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that added the fifth or sixth car. But, yeah. but, but I did have that conversation with myself with four cars in the drive, two of them actually outside the garage because the garage isn't big enough, of going, which one do I need to drive? Which is weird, okay? Because I like driving all of them. Which one do I need to drive? And it was actually like, well, you know what? I, I just took the Lotus yesterday, so I should take the 300ZX now. So I have found my personal... How are your fluids, baby? You need some fluids run through you? Totally. I have found my personal threshold, but everybody's is different. <laughs> Open Mike Knight says, Why do journalists constantly desire updates to powertrains and designs? Because they just want the fresh and the new. They just constantly want the new. We're always looking for the new cool thing. He says, Toyota has an alternative view and makes minor improvements over time rather than bigger ones, larger ones, to reduce risk. You're right. For example, many reviewers look down on the Tacoma or 4Runner for lack of meaningful updates. However, those few options seem to be outweighed by the majority of the public consistently purchasing them new year after year in very large numbers. Another way to put it, he says, are journalists ever content? No is the answer. No. But journalists rely upon experience of driving a lot of competitive vehicles Mm -hmm. and coming across something new that just makes sense. Mm -hmm. The seating position and the space, how did they do it with the same platform, nearly the same wheelbase? You've got all the same materials to work with, plastic and wood and leather and aluminum, steel and glass. How did you make a better feeling, better riding, more spacious, more comfortable, engaging, interesting car? Mm-hmm. Why can't it be like X car? Agreed. That's key. You're lost in the old thing, the same chassis, the same platform. Yeah, you left it alone, and yeah, it sells. Mm-hmm. And there is the don't fix it, it ain't broke, don't fix it yeah, kind for of sure. mentality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But man, the seating position sucks. Yeah. That, it's just not good. Why, why wouldn't you change that one? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, high investment dollars. Now, journalists driving what manufacturers do can manifest itself in a good way. The volume control knob on the Honda Civic Type R. <laughs> we the, got a volume knob the, back. The Civic got a volume back. Yes. yes. We, you know, consensus, it should have a volume knob. It Universal should just. We're, we're crossing our fingers about beaver teeth. We're crossing our fingers that by yeah, beating no on that kidding. as a general public, no they'll be kidding. like, you know what? Just kidding. We're turning around. Nissan. With the new Z car, and then you hear, oh, well, it's kind of a derivative based on the older one and, you know, some three, 370Z underpinnings. 
that kind of sounds like, uh, I don't know. So far, everything new that we've driven from Nissan is very encouraging mm-hmm. and great to drive. From SUVs to the new Frontier, we hope the Z car will be the same. But we're always looking for the fresh, new, new thinking. It meets new customer desires, new standards. And because Company X over here did it so good, why can't they all be like that one? It's a larger version of what happens with computers or phones. Yeah. All of you listening right now on your phone, look at your phone and ask yourself, honestly, is there anything wrong with your phone? (laughs) No. Yeah. You're going to get a new one because some other company or the same company said, look at the new one that does this new stuff. And we as automotive journalists are totally spoiled. We get into everything. And you're right. We'll get into some competitors and be like, why didn't everybody do this? And now the other thing seems so old. And it was like your phone. It was fine. It did all the stuff. The Tacoma open mic night is a great example. Mm-hmm. The seating position isn't good. It's, it's not bad. made for large people. It's genuinely people. bad. They've made it that way for a lot of years. And mm-hmm. then we get in a truck like the Frontier and go, oh, well, this is a welcome change. Wow. Like this. That's what pushes journalists. It's because of the constant comparison, the constant... Mm-hmm. You know, experiencing so many good elements of many things. And from empirical evidence, your own self-diagnosis, your own evidence and what you're looking for, you can disagree, and that's totally fine. You hear one opinion, you hear another, totally fine. But people are looking for these kinds of things. And you get in, you think, well, that just makes sense. That's comfortable. That's easy. I like that. Makes sense. Yeah. Revs Up is asking about the the company that's going to back up with a truck full of money. We've mentioned that before. And you know what? Lots of things might change if somebody would like to back up a truck full of money. Uh, there is that always always pending. Uh, but his, his bigger question is about music. Yeah. He said, somebody backed up a truck of money and it gave us the opportunity to license everything we do, license huge known tracks, would we recut and do it? And the short answer is, of course Mm-hmm. He, he's he's mentioning it on our films and for example I actually tried really hard on our American original film and by the way that is coming back on Blu-ray before Christmas I'm just ding ding letting you know but American original uh, on that I actually went through all the sites where we license music we're not licensing the stuff you know I didn't I didn't license you know Elvis music for the 50s you know because that <laughs> right. can't imagine what that would have cost us you, right. know, you know if you really want to spend licensing dollars you license anything from the Jackson 5 yeah oh really oh my gosh when I was at New Line there was just enough of ABC 123 by the Jackson 5 for you to recognize that it was in there in the trailers for one of our films. Okay. And they sent it out. I mean, it was literally like just enough for you to be like, oh, it's ABC 123. And the scene was over. It's a trailer. Okay. It's going by in two and a half minutes. Okay. Did they not license it? It was so expensive that it was doubling the budget for the trailer. So they had to change the song. Holy cow. It was the whole budget of the trailer again. So they went, okay, that song's coming out. You're kidding. No, that happens. So, but my point here is, if we could license that stuff, Now that song's would. going through my head. I know. Maybe exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Can you see the choreography? That's oh, when you know yeah. you have it bad. Oh, anyway, gosh. yeah, exactly. Great. And, and, the, and the costuming. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> but if you could, we, we would. And on American Original, I tried really hard to pick a song that very much sounded like the era of each car. That took a lot of time to find stuff that sounded like stuff from each era. I would love to have done the original stuff. Here's the flip side. Is it universal? And I'm going to go straight to the original Top Gear that we all loved. I don't know how many of you have seen or heard, in this case heard, the original UK Top Gear episodes in their original format. Mm. Star Wars is used in there. The Indiana Jones themes is used in there. Every kind of big, iconic music that you think, that is the perfect choice, is used in the UK-only versions. Because, and I won't get this exactly right, but because essentially the BBC pays blanket licensing fees to all of the music licensing companies, and it gives them just blanket access for anything made for the BBC and shown specifically in the UK. Mm. So if Mm. you're an editor in the UK, you can pull out ABC 123, or you can pull out the Indiana Jones theme, or Jaws theme, or whatever, the stuff that doesn't get licensed. Do you know how hard it is to license the Star Wars music? You can't, okay? So (laughs) (laughs) let me just save you trouble. If you're not Disney, you didn't get it, okay? And that's because Disney paid... Five billion to own it. Before that, it was oh Lucas going. Gosh. I don't think so. All right. <laughs> so they had some amazing uses of like the Star Wars themes. But when they started playing those episodes on Amazon in the U.S., the editors had to go back through and find other tracks for every one of those edits. Mm. So there's a larger issue at play than just did you license it, but now did you license it worldwide? 
Will it wind up on any platform and be legal? Which is why we don't worry about it. Would I do it? Sure. Do I think it's likely? No, but you know what? If so, if that sound I hear is the beeping of the truck coming down the drive, <laughs> yeah. I'll have that conversation. Wait, I have to go. I think I hear it beeping. Well, I brought this up to you the other day, mm-hmm. and if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Spotify is our home platform yeah. or yeah. any other syndicator, I thought, well, what if we could work with Spotify on licensing, have a, a blanket license agreement to matching a car mm-hmm. with a song and releasing it that way? So what we think the personality of a particular car is, the mm-hmm. you know mid-80s something, and we match it to a David Bowie song or you know Whatever. something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just the car and the music, just beautiful shots and the music, and that's it. I think it would be loved. It would be well-watched. Who does the edit? What is the licensing? What is the licensing involved? That's a whole other team that we need to bring on here. How many things am I signing for licensing? Right, yeah. but I would love to have just, here's the car we think goes mm. with this song. Mm. It's just peanut butter and jelly. Here it is. That's that's it. And in addition to all the other videos that we do, that I, I think it would be great, but I don't know how to surmount the licensing agreements. Ken Caked asked a question I touched on very briefly. He said, is there really any benefit to using the slash every day when browsing autotempest.com? The only benefit is that they actually see that you're part of our army, if you will. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the reason that they sponsor us, honestly, because they want to hear from you guys and they want to know that we're getting the word out about autotempest.com. I know that they are a lot of places right now. That slash every day is helpful because that tells them that uh, you're part of us. Agreed. We have so many more questions that we can get to for this podcast, but thank you guys for writing in all the social media questions. We will continue to ask for those and continue to cover them. Really appreciate it. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.